Time now for the shocking stat of the week. And you know what? This is only the second time I've done it. I bring in, I bring in some top-priced help to do it. Both times, it's the Taxpayers.com, Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and Chris Sims, who's the director of the Alberta branch of the Canadian Taxpayers. And why? Because they do terrific work. I mean, they're doing work that... Uh, you know, you just don't find anywhere else. And it's all on behalf of the taxpayer. Just like anything I do in this program, you can decide if you like your taxes going that way or not or whatever. But I think you need the information. And I'll tell you, taxpayers.com gives you that. Chris, first of all, appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, thanks so much for having us. We appreciate it. Well, so let's start with this. This is the shocking stat. You know, of course, we know we have inflation. We see, you know, sort of an average 5% wage gain over the last year and a bit, but that's not what's happening in the public sector. I was actually blown away by some of the work you did, uh, you know, and the others in the Canadian Taxpayers Federation on how much we've got our public sectors asking for it right now. And of course, it's going to cost the taxpayer. Yes, it will. And it is an up to 47% increase in pay that PSAC, <laughs> the Public Service Alliance of Canada, is asking for. And you, you heard that right. We didn't stutter. Yeah. 47%. And, and again, people have to make, and again, you know, I'm sure if you're in PSAC, you think that's just about right, but maybe some others don't, you know, especially the taxpayers, because this is where, you know, inflation doesn't actually go away because, you know, you start with some goods and services, et cetera. And we've gone into on this show, some of the reasons for it, but then the wages start catching up. Well, when you get sort of, obviously not everyone's asking for 47% increase, but but really you're seeing significant ask on the part of the public sector. And, uh, you know, that's why our cost of living continues to go up. Yes, for sure. So our federal director, Franco Terrazano, uh, who used to be the Alberta director, his mom just lives around the corner from me here in Alberta in Lethbridge. Uh, he did an amazing amount of work on this and he and I talk every day. And we actually had to go back and forth on the phone a million times because we kept saying, these numbers have got to be wrong. <laughs> they have mm -hmm. to be wrong, but they're not wrong. Uh, PSAC is asking for up to 47% increase. Uh, in normal people talk, that would cost taxpayers about 9.3 billion dollars. So PSAC, for folks who haven't worked in Ottawa, the land of Oz, uh, that is an umbrella group of a whole bunch of government employee unions. And it is this is coming from the Treasury Board, Mike, that are telling mm -hmm. us this. So this is not something that we've uncovered. This is something the Treasury Board itself, the federal government itself, is telling us that they, this is how much they're looking for. And if you take a look at the number breakdowns, there's the EB, the Education and Library Science Group. That's one union. They're asking for 8% per year for three years. The PA, Program and Administrative Services, 9% per year over three years. This one was crazy. Operational Services Group, 14% per year over three years. So compounded, that's a 47% increase. Like these numbers are mind-blowing, especially when you compare it to the rest of us. We've had the tale of two pandemics the past three years. Those of us in the private sector losing our businesses, uh, seeing job cuts and wage cuts. But in the government sector, uh, they've been getting bonuses and pay hikes. It's also uh, in sharp contrast to what we've seen in the private sector in terms of uh, technology enhancing productivity. So, uh, you know, I've, I've done some charts recently where they showed how, you know, companies are basically doing a heck of a lot more with less. Mm -hmm. Well, it's absolutely the opposite. You want a good bull market? Well, look at government employ employment. We're, I mean, this is just part of it. But the other side, of course, that you guys have been looking at too, which is the huge growth in consultants, you know, that don't 
report like these these uh, unions do not report to the treasury board it's just a bill that gets presented no one knows quite what we're getting for it although i do know specifically that some uh consulting firms are hired to look at the work of other consulting firms to see if anything happened uh but people have to get that so it just compounds i mean the growth in the government as i say it's a big bull market but chris back to what you're saying the other part that's so important is when you hear there's an eight percent wage increase request but it's compounding. That's really a key. Compounding usually over these three years or a 9%, as you say, program and administrative services. Or yes, I'm still sitting down 14% for three years, mm-hmm. each year for three years. So again, that's what I just want to make sure. But as you said earlier, this just translates to more money and all of it's borrowed. I mean, it's not like the government's flush with cash. No, every nickel of this is borrowed. We have unmoney right now. We are more than a trillion dollars in debt. So we have negative money. We have to pay interest, which is going up, by the way, thanks to these deficits and inflation and printing money. And we don't have the cash. But turn around, these government unions don't even blink. They're saying, yeah, well, pay up. 47% increase. We have to point out also that just last year, they handed out about $171 million just in bonuses. And this is to the federal government employees who achieved less than 50% of their objectives. So that means they're failing at their jobs, but they're still getting big bonuses. Well, and also, I don't want to confuse the matter, but it's so it's so pertinent. And that is people have to understand that. And I've always been driven nuts by this over, you know, 40 years of broadcasting. Yeah, then we, when we just forget to add on whatever benefit increases are there, too, because, of course, if I'm getting percentage pay on my, uh, you know, a vacation pay, for example, or I could ask for direct increases in vacation. This is uh, it's a very there's layer upon layer that costs the taxpayer. Cause I know that you were saying in one of your reports, the taxpayers.com taxpayer.com that the treasury board says, Hey, there's other things here, like increased paid leave for family related responsibilities, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's on top of four weeks paid vacation after four mm-hmm. years. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I, when I yeah. was 22 and uh, in my you know first four years of official employment, I was working when I was 12 too, but you know, officially on the books at uh, 22 years old, I sure as heck wasn't getting four weeks paid vacation and they want extra paid family time on top of that. And get this, they're actually calling for automatic double time whenever they have to work overtime. So for the rest of us mere mortals who do get overtime, um, it's apparently time and a half. I wouldn't know. Uh, but no, they want yeah. double time. And and they want meal allowances, even if they work from home. So if you have to get up off the couch and trundle over to the refrigerator and make yourself a sandwich, they want taxpayers to pay for that too? Like these demands are crazy. Well, it's the other thing I'm just, as I'm listening to you there, I mean, that last one is absurd. You're working at home as if you don't have to eat. And now I'm going to get reimbursed for going to my own fridge. I mean, really, it's just, it's too much. In my opinion, at least it's too much. It is. And I bet in the opinion of some of these workers, this is the union, uh, union leadership that's calling for this. I bet if I grabbed a couple, because I know lots of uh, people who work in uh, public sector unions, they do a good job, et cetera. And they think some of these requests are ridiculous, you know, yeah. and, and other things that their leadership does, they don't agree with, like, uh, you know, the support of 
Venezuela, for example. Sorry, I, I, I can't go down that road, but no, you no, get what I'm saying. They're so they're forced to pay union dues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we hear you. And then keep in mind also that these are the same union bosses that didn't lift a finger during the Phoenix pay problem. So there were thousands. I worked in talk radio in Ottawa. I heard from the bureaucrats all the time. There were thousands of people who were either not being paid at all or were being paid way too much. And they were panicking because they had to save every single cent of it in order to pay back. These union bosses couldn't be bothered to open their mouths for more than a year and yeah. a half with their you know, brothers and sisters, quote unquote, you know, not getting paid at all. So, yeah, these these union bosses are asking for way too much. And get this. They're threatening to strike. So the folks who work at the CRA are their union bosses now. If they don't get this ransom, these pay increases, all of these demands met, they're going to strike right around tax time. So those people who are depending on that tax return coming in the mail in order to, I don't know, buy groceries, pay for their heating bill, pay for their carbon tax, they're going to, they're threatening to strike. You just ruined my fun on that, by the way, because when you first said it, you're quite right. There's people who are relying on tax refunds. Over tax has been collected. They deserve the refund and they are counting on it. I was sort of just glossing over them and just thinking, hey, maybe they should strike. Right? I know. (laughs) Just kidding. Please go away forever. Yeah, but... but, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you've you've called the right one. There are people who would really suffer, and I certainly don't want any part of that. No. But I, again, I'm coming back to this because there's just no financial reality here. That you know, no losing company or a company where the employees are well aware, just as our public sector employees are well aware that the government is in deficit, has been in severe deficit for a number of years, as you mentioned earlier. The huge buildup in debt uh, becoming even more onerous because we've had a sharp increase in interest rates. That doesn't seem to inform any of the requests. And that was true, by the way, even in the pandemic. But as yeah. you say, many people got, uh, you know, the, just the, the two-tiered system we've got. That It's always thrown at us, two-tiered system in healthcare. Well, I'll tell you, there is a very different sort of set of rules if you're working in the public sector, especially in Ottawa, compared to, I'm thinking of self-employed people must be ripping their hair out here. They don't get time off. They're always on call. They don't have, you know, family leave, et cetera, that kind of thing in the way you were discussing earlier. I mean, the list is a long one. And and by the way, they have the privilege of paying this year nearly $8,000 in Canada pension plan premiums if they just make 64000 You know what I mean? Like, or sixty six, and then they take off a little bit, 63000 actually. I mean, okay. are you kidding me? The discrepancy is too big. I mean, I want everyone to be healthy, happy, you know, et cetera. But the discrepancy is too big and it's coming at the expense of the private sector. It is. And this is what happens when you have people in government who aren't the adults in the room. So I'm sorry to be so grim, but these folks have no concept of fiscal discipline. Like they don't understand where wealth comes from. The prime minister himself said many things. He said he wants to grow the economy from the heart outwards. What on earth does that mean? He said the budget would balance itself. He said, I can be forgiven for not thinking about monetary policy. No, sir, you can't. You can't. They clearly don't think about monetary policy, Mike, because they've nearly doubled the debt. This one government has nearly doubled the debt. To give you a stat... I hope your listeners are sitting down. So think back to 2019, okay? Before the COVID mess, before all this stuff, the year 2019, the Trudeau government spent more money than in any one year of the Second World War 
adjusted for inflation and population. On what? what? Who knows? Like, they have no concept of fiscal discipline, which is why we have these massive deficits, deepening debt, and skyrocketing interest rates. It's because of them. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I was asked, we did our big uh, World Outlook Financial Conference on the weekend, and uh, we had, off the top of my head, I think we had three people come up from the States. I mean, of course, markets are global, you know, talking commodities or whatever. And they asked me, and they said, I mean, they couldn't discern... Uh, uh, not just a fiscal plan, but a plan for economic growth. Like, what's your plan? What's your, what's your deal here? Because uh, they're highly critical of their own government, especially in the energy sphere, but they were more critical of ours in the energy sphere. You know, and yeah, other than immigration, I can't really think of any any kind of concerted push that acknowledges the need for economic growth. And it's getting late in the game for that. Uh, but again, I, I'm going to come back to something here quickly, Chris, is that Keep in mind, our MPs gave themselves three raises during the pandemic. Yep. You know, again, I don't know how to shout out loud the the discrepancy between that and a huge percentage of Canadians. You know, I think the polls on average are something like 53 to 60% are really struggling now with higher costs of everything plus the higher interest rates after being assured by the federal, uh, by the uh, central bank, by Tiff Macklin rates are going to stay low for longer. And he said, let me make this perfectly clear. Rates are going to stay low for longer. And of course they yeah. didn't. Or his definition of longer is, are you kidding me? You mm-hmm. know, but yeah, I, I just think that these wage demands just are a further reflection, not the first or second or third even. This is a further rese- a reflection of a very big financial difference uh, between the public sector, especially at the federal level, and the private sector, who's paying those bills. And it's just, people got to decide whether it bothers them or not, or the, whether they want to do something about it. Well, to quote Franco again, uh, taxpayers should be mad. They should be mad as hell mm-hmm. at this government. And they should say so, because we can't afford this, to be really, really blunt. Um, to, to put it in perspective, like, look at the most recent thing that we found out about them, right? With this just transition nonsense. The, the numbers attached to that are just mind-boggling. It, it, it's, it's potentially affecting more than 2 million jobs. If you add up the salaries just of those 2 million-something jobs, it's $219 billion a year. They, they yeah. reference Scotland as doing a good job. This is their own language and their own numbers, Mike. They reference Scotland with their just New Deal as being a good thing to do. If you put that in Canadian context... That's $37 billion. They could call this thing just kill Alberta. They don't understand where wealth generation comes from or where these taxes are supposed to come from. And so this is where folks like speak up, contact your member of parliament, contact your premier. And here's some magic words to use on a politician. Tell them that you will not only not vote for them yourself, you're going to door knock against them in their riding if they don't stop this. That'll pay attention because they might have their job threatened. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I've always said this, uh, policies always have consequences. And a, yep. a lot of times we ignore them until they hit us, but policies all have consequences. And the one that, in this is an overriding thing, the fact that we don't value economic growth as the foundation of our standard of living, that will have consequences. Uh, it already is for now, about half the population. Their standard of living is getting lowered because of the rising cost of interest rate, rising cost of goods and services. So it's already impacting a good chunk. Uh, Others, not as many, I mean, a a portion of those people, 
but they're going to be out of their house. We have a recent poll by uh, Yahoo Maru saying that 45% of people on a variable rate mortgage said that they could only last about another 8.3 months at this rate. Uh, people on a fixed said about 9.7 months. In other words, they better start looking for a realtor. Uh, and it's all because, I mean, these are all, it doesn't matter, you know, fingerprints are all over government policy on this. But I just think, again, sorry, I'm being a broken record here. No, all good. I just come back to that's the environment that we're getting these kind of wage demands. And even with inflation high, like inflation's certainly going to drop. They're going to have a base, uh, a base month effect, meaning we'll compare our May gasoline rates with what we had last May, which were phenomenally elevated, you know, and through the summer. So inflation always falls down once you start comparing to those inflationary months. So we're already going to get that. We're already seeing it slow down over three month periods, et cetera. But it doesn't matter. The cost of living doesn't, you know, yes, as I said to, to Michael Le- Levy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I-, I just think it's a very tough time and we need a lot more realism. And unfortunately, it's already come home to bite. But I, I got to say to you, Chris, you guys do great work on behalf of taxpayers. And uh, people can, as they say, take it or leave it. They're not worried about this. They are worried about it. They think, oh, 27%, 47% over three years sounds about right. Fair enough. But you should know the numbers. And the place to go is taxpayer.com. Chris, thanks so much for finding time for us. Thank you so much for caring about this, Mike.